0: Motivating students in math is a common challenge that teachers face early on in their careers. One of the best things a teacher can do is instill a growth mindset in their students. In other words, focusing on student effort and the process of learning a concept. Also, letting students know that they can get better at math gradually. When you let students know that their learning curve to grasp a math concept will depend upon how much effort is put into solving problems. Teachers should celebrate the successes as well as encouraging a positive attitude in their students. Welcome to episode 122 of the Teacher Rockstar podcast, a place where tips and strategies critical to the new teacher are discussed. Today we will be talking about creating meaning and motivation in the elementary classroom, 40 plus years of learning with our guest, Kim Sutton. But before we do, here is a quick word from our sponsor. Would you like to supercharge your classroom management skills? Well, if you're a first-year teacher or have less than five years of classroom experience, the Teacher Rockstar Academy course is for you. Gain the confidence, the skills you'll need to make all the difference in the world for our boys and girls. Enroll now at tra.teacherclassroomresources.com. I believe you can transform yourself into becoming a truly great teacher. It just takes the right tools and the right approach. Now, before we dive into our topic today, I'd like to share with you some things about today's guest speaker. Kim Sutton is a fabulous presenter who has taught thousands of teachers the joy and excitement of hands-on math. Kim's teaching experience includes over 40 years of classroom teaching, time as a regional math specialist, and as a university instructor. Kim has worked with over 500 districts nationally and internationally as a staff development consultant. A former associate director of Project Ames, Kim has a master's degree in mathematics education and has been the keynote speaker for state and regional math conferences. Kim has produced many wonderful math games and tools and has written many articles about pattern blocks and classroom management. Kim is the author of 18 titles, as well as the creator of the 10-block schedule for Math Fact Fluency Program for grades K-6. Kim's books include math engineers, math drills to thrill, math focus activities, visual tools, number line workbook, making math books with children, powerful numbers 0 to 100, place value with pizzazz, do the math, dynamic dice, all aboard the algebra express, fractions, a part of the whole, the power of digital root, let's get started, dazzling dominoes, bump it, Cooking Up Math Concentration and her most recent book, Cooking Up More Math Concentration. Experience what others have learned. Kim Sutton is a dynamic, extraordinary educator whose enthusiasm and love for teaching are contagious. She gives you practical, easy to implement information and ideas that you will use for years. Don't miss this wonderful opportunity to be thrilled, challenged, and energized. Welcome to the show, Kim.
1: Oh, I'm so excited to be here, Steve. Thank (laughs) you for inviting me.
0: Oh, hey, I'll tell you what, uh, this is going to be great. Uh, I'm thrilled to death to have you on the show here, Kim. Uh, But first of all, would you tell our listeners about your journey within the educational world?
1: Well, Steve, I've I've had the most amazing career. I look back and I I honestly cannot believe that I've been in education 48 years (laughs) now. In defense of that, I, I got my first teaching job when I was 20, and so I've had steep a very steep learning curve at the beginning mm-hmm. to pull together and become the kind of teacher I wanted to be, and it's been a constant learning process, and I love that about our profession. Even on the most challenging of days, I've always felt like coming back, so I know it's the place for me. <laughs> I've taught school for lots of years. I also got enticed um, to apply for a job as our county office math curriculum person. Mm -hmm. Um, During all of that, um, I also started on um, my master's degree in math education. And I was lucky enough to train with people who really impacted this journey for me. I was very fortunate to work for 24 years with Dr. Lola May, who is the person that Marilyn Burns credits as really starting the math movement uh, in education. Right. And I also trained with Marilyn Burns, so wow. I mean, I look at that and I think, "Wow, how lucky was I?"
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I
1: also um, happened to my my lead professor while getting my master's, Dr. Arthur Wiebe, who is an amazing mathematician, he had this vision that we would write a National Science Foundation grant and fund the writing of Project AIMS, Activities integrating Math and Science. Right. And we wrote so many books. And we were really STEM or STEAM before STEM or STEAM. So I look at all of that. And I still can't believe it's been that long, but what a journey. Oh my gosh. And now my job is that I travel around and um, sometimes virtually and sometimes face-to-face and I work with schools and districts in pursuit of best practice in mathematics. So, um, you know, it is my passion. I, I, it was my, pa- math was my passion as a little girl and wow. uh, yeah, I was <laughs> I was lucky to be able to follow my passion
0: well, that's that's fantastic. You know, uh, Kim, can you also speak to the length of your career? I mean, I know oh, it's been gosh. an amazing career and and how it has changed over the years. I know I bet you when you first started, obviously, it's nothing like today
1: no, oh, it's, it's 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 you know. different. And I think that you know, I look back and I think about the pieces that I learned when I started because, I felt like not only myself but my colleagues we were we were sponges, we were trying to figure it out, mm-hmm. and I love the support that you give to new teachers because back in those days, if we were lucky enough to attend a workshop, there wasn't any real connection by the administration and I'm not being critical. I'm just saying that you'd come back from the workshop all fired up and you'd try things, but nobody was really saying, uh, this is what we're looking for, or, you know, brain-based research and education was really just starting. Right. So, you know, it, it's been a journey. I, I think back to those first classrooms. In fact, I was lucky enough the other night at a basketball game to see a student from the very first class I ever taught when I was 20.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know that must have been something there.
1: <laughs> yes, I mean, she's a grown-up mom with grown-up kids. But here was the amazing thing. I really didn't talk much, Steve. I just let her talk. And she <laughs> did this thing where she started talking about her memories of that classroom and I don't know it just made me feel like I was the luckiest woman on the planet to have had a career where somebody 48 years ago (laughs) has a memory today of Uh what happened in that second grade classroom especially because I didn't really know what I was doing (laughs) but I was sure trying hard yeah (laughs) I mean, oh. it's funny to think about.
0: Absolutely. Well, can you tell me, uh, like, uh, what work is most meaningful to you? Uh,
1: That's a really good question. Mm-hmm. And I thought about it a lot because I love that question. Mm-hmm. Every time I get to work with children, and I do a lot of model lessons now in classrooms for districts that I work with, uh-huh. I'll do the staff development, but then the teachers want to know what that looks like with children. And I love that aspect because I I know, and I knew a long time ago that I was put on this planet to work with children, and I love being able to question their minds about they're thinking in mathematics, you started off by talking about growth mindset.
0: Right. And uh-huh. I,
1: I, I love that opportunity to ask a question, not about how do you, what's the right answer, but what was your thinking behind that answer? And oh my gosh, it just makes all the difference in the world. But I will tell you that years ago when I was struggling with the decision to leave the classroom at times and do staff development. I uh-huh. had a wonderful superintendent and he called me in and he said, I'm not sure I understand why this decision is such a struggle for you. And I just said, well, Jim, I, I love classroom teaching. I don't wanna leave that. And he goes, Kim, you forget that every time you work with a teacher, you impact 30 students. And yeah, I yeah.
0: That's it right. took
1: my breath away. It mm-hmm. did. So I, I know the work I do um, with teachers um, is really important. And I, I just returned from two fabulous days, one in Seattle and one in Portland. And the one in Portland, teachers were there on a Saturday which speaks to the dedication of people who want to pursue that best practice. So again, I I just, I I love the work. I love the opportunity to be creative and think of ideas to make concepts more real, more understandable, more hands-on. I love the challenge of working with children Love the challenge of working with adults because it's definitely different.
0: Absolutely, I, I'll tell you that that's a that's really amazing. Really is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> can you tell me, uh, Kim, w- what have you learned about inspiring motivation in your career? And and I wonder if that could be a, a challenge at times. You know.
1: It is, it is a challenge. I, I think motivation, I I consider myself a student of motivational strategies, even today. Anytime a book is written about motivation, I'm there. You're Anytime. Right. Yeah. I just, I try to soak it up. I've been lucky to, Steve, to follow another passion in my life. I, I've been a basketball coach. Um, wow. And well, I, I love that. And I draw analogies between um, teaching children and coaching all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think motivation is one of those things that um, sometimes people think of the job of teaching as we're imparting knowledge to children, but there is so much more to that and when i'm asked to speak about motivation at conferences i always recall the fact that there are certain words you can say to human beings that get an instant motivational reaction and when i was a new teacher i would say some of these words and i'd look out and i'd go oh my gosh what a dramatic change in a child. And (laughs) when I started to really think about it, and I have to tell you, it was a low point in my career because I thought I'm up here trying to impart knowledge Mm -hmm. and they're not really motivated to get it. So (laughs) when I looked at those words that really inspired that instant feeling, I always picture I can't, say this with enough clarity but i picture and don't think i'm drawing an analogy between a child and a dog uh-huh. but when <laughs> when your dog is inspired and motivated they just sit up they're all eyes on you and they're attentive well what i discovered is these four letter words that inspire that kind of reaction from children and The words that I use for motivation are four-letter words. Uh My first one is the word game. Call something a game, whether it is or not. And that's a motivator. Now, behind that is the reality that games are the practice of mathematics. And we spend millions of dollars buying new textbooks. And I get that.
0: Right, right. But
1: the bottom line is to know anything, you have to be able to have practiced it. And so, if you can make something into a game with children, you inspire that practice, that over and over feeling. Yeah. I think often that my basketball players all want to be currently like four people. And those four people, and this is very regional because we're, uh-huh. I live in Northern California, but they want to be like Steph Curry, uh-huh. Clay Thompson, Sue Bird, and <laughs> Candace Parker. But they they think those four people came out of the womb already knowing how to do what they do. They don't realize the amount of practice it takes to get good at anything. And math is no different than that to get math, you have to practice it. And you have to practice it in a lot of situations, not just a worksheet because that kind of practice isn't putting children into different contexts of mathematics. So I use a lot of games as a way to get kids to practice. And one thing I know about the games I use I would have, and we have a lot of rainy days in Northern California, Uh which means inside recesses. And here's the thing. My students would choose to play the math games over the game shelf that had games like Monopoly or whatever, Mm -hmm. and they would choose to play the math games. So that helped me see that the word game was just a very powerful tool. In the classroom, my second four letter word that I use is dice. And that sounds funny, but every time you bring out dice with children and I use a variety of different kinds, children are like, oh, yeah, let's do this thing. (laughs) And then I know that that they'll practice longer. And sometimes teachers think, oh, I've got to have a formal game that has a cute game board but but that's not true right because last week in a classroom the teacher wasn't ready for me to do what i needed to do and she was doing something else blah 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 so i just said to the kids here's some dice and they were just regular dice Uh i said we're gonna play a game called cross out the numbers what's the least sum we could roll? And they said two. And then what's the greatest sum? And they said 12. And then I asked the question, can you make every sum between two and 12? And the conversation about that was just priceless. And then I had the students write the numbers two through 12 and roll till they crossed out the numbers. Uh And the funny part was, the classroom teacher whose room i was in she goes you just made that up right there on the spot <laughs> and i said well here's the thing <laughs> it was a game changer you know they were they were like what else are we going to do with these dice uh-huh. <laughs> so i i just think that that four letter word is a very powerful tool to help children practice i've also learned the four letter word food uh huh is a powerful word, it doesn't mean you have to feed them. I name a lot of my math games, names of food. Like I have a a drill and practice game called drill donuts. Uh And the kids just eat that up because it doesn't look like a worksheet. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of ways that you can motivate them. Another four letter word I use is race. Because as soon as you say the word race, that implies speed. And for human beings, there's a release of adrenaline in the brain Mm -hmm. and you attempt to go faster. So children can improve their skills if you just call something a race. It doesn't mean they're racing against each other. Oftentimes it's just racing to get through a set of numbers and my last four-letter word is song. And I know, Steve, that you've had Eric Jensen on uh-huh. your podcast. And I am just a disciple of his. Boy, <laughs> I, I that was a game changer for me. I read his book, Music with the Brain yes, Mind. Yes, yes, a oh, fantastic my. read. Oh, yeah, wow. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And just incorporating um, music. I use music a lot we sing songs about math. I'm lucky to collaborate with an incredible musician who was a classroom teacher for years, Ron Brown of IntelliTunes. Mm-hmm. And, and people think I help him write the music. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I make, <laughs> I don't. I make subtle suggestions <laughs> about content and then he writes the content, but Eric Jensen's research about the fastest way to long-term retention of information is to sing it. Man, that's a game changer. Yes, it is, isn't it? It really is. And I also use music for inspiration. So, you know, sometimes I, I look at what it takes to motivate students because really we're talking about being motivated to learn intense content. And you have to look within yourself. What do you know about motivation? And how can you improve on that? Because you can't just assume the job of teaching is to impart knowledge. Because it really is so much more than that. We have to inspire them to come to school every day.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Good point. Um, Well, Kim, let me ask you, uh, you know, uh, why is teaching intensive math? And I think this would be good for the new teachers just coming on board now, fresh out of college. You know, why is teaching intensive math content important?
1: That's such a good question, Steve. You know. um, one of the things that that is a concern for me is that elementary teachers are asked to be, we receive a, a generalist education. Mm-hmm. So we have to know about so many things because we don't typically we don't teach just one content area. so sometimes we're teaching the way we were taught. and the problem with math content is and i'm 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 older now, but the bottom line is you often teach the way you were taught, and if you weren't taught the understanding of math, then the mathematics you teach children tends to be surface math. I I said to my university um, elementary ed students, so the ones that are student teaching, I said, how many of you were raised on ours is not to question why, just invert and multiply. <laughs> and literally... All of them raise their yeah, hands. Yeah,
0: yeah. And
1: they are young. So the idea of teaching intensive math content isn't that you're hammering points, it's that you are developing a deep understanding of the foundation of that content. Now, I'm not talking about teaching elementary kids calculus, I'm talking right, right. about them being able to connect. To things like their basic facts to proportional reasoning and how that affects fractions and decimals and how there's algebraic thinking in the geometry that we teach to elementary students. Uh-huh. So that elementary content has such importance to the really where a child's headed. it. And I feel comfortable saying that to audiences because I did teach middle school math and it was heartbreaking at times to watch children struggle because they didn't have those foundations and that passing out a worksheet isn't going to accomplish that. Children have to get in and do the nitty gritty of mathematics. They have to have, those materials in their hands and they have to ponder things like what I described, what's the least sum, what's the greatest, all of those thinking. Why do we even regroup in an algorithm for subtraction? I mean, it's, there's such depth. I get passionate about this, Steve. I yeah. can talk about it forever. <laughs> oh, which...
0: I, you, I know. I've seen your passion too in in <laughs> the uh, conferences. I tell you, it just blew, just blew me away. It really has. But now this kind of leads me because you just touched on this one, uh, and and I need to make sure that, that my my first year teachers and and teachers with uh, you know that relatively new to the classroom get this. Now in a culture of downloading worksheets, and you just alluded to the worksheet thing. What can we do to support teaching with actual hands-on Materials and you know I'm, I'm a firm believer in Ames too because and when yeah. I got my aims kit I'll tell you what that was out in full force you know Oh my gosh I, I love that that Ames activities
1: Oh yeah uh,
0: Yeah they were and,
1: those were game changers Oh
0: absolutely and, and you know I I think that that was STEM or steam before they even came into being you
1: Absolutely know? <laughs> Absolutely and I think those materials one of the things that it did. For those of us that used it, and I'm sure you felt this power, it it increased your questioning strategies with children. Yeah, you know, yeah. you you could take an I wonder statement and turn that statement into this exploration of math and science that got kids on the edge of their seats and i, I always mean, was,
0: found them to be engaging too yeah, i mean yeah. it's it, you know other than just sitting there independently yeah. doing a worksheet you know uh, well
1: when i was describing the the young woman i mean she's now middle-aged but who i saw at the basketball game the other night She was recalling because I didn't just have her as a second grader. I had her as a second grader, a fourth grader, and a sixth grader. Oh, okay. Because because of my master's degree in math, my district kept moving me up in grade levels. And the interesting thing it was when we were sitting at that game, she was talking about, she goes, do you remember when we did the spinning ghosts? And that was an Ames activity. And then she remembered doing the percent of a banana that's edible. Yeah. And, she, and she did that with me as a fourth grader. So the power of those hands-on activities, you know, you can't say enough about it. And it's why when I do my workshops now, Steve, mm-hmm. honestly, I want teachers engaged in that hands-on experience. Because if they... Didn't experience it as a learner. They tend to gravitate to, oh, math is that time where you run off a worksheet and you give it, pass it out to students, and that's what they do.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: and it's it's not saying a worksheet's bad. There's a time and yeah, place. Yeah, exactly. I was that. just
0: going to say that there's a time and place.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, and and you know, if you think about it, I was thinking about. I just did this huge, I mean, two nights of a family math night in Southern California. And we had over 500 families each night
0: that attended
1: this and they rotated through in the gym, they rotated through all these workstations and there was paper, but they were playing games They were rolling dice, they were using playing cards, they were using dominoes. We made place value pockets and they built numbers following clues. I mean, all of that contributes to a mindset about math that math isn't just a worksheet, but there was paper and pencils. So in essence, they were doing worksheets, but it had a whole different feel to it.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I just I just had a, a, a something come into my mind that, you know, when I was in school, it seemed like we did math. And I always used to think, well, how is this going to help me outside yeah. these four walls? And and I, I remember being a, a young kid thinking this, you know, 10, yeah. 11 years old. OK, this is all great for the classroom, but how am I going to use what the, you know I'm, I'm doing now outside? so and and that's why i like the hands-on stuff because it made it real world you know sure uh yeah absolutely and uh that that is um yeah that's just something else here you know
1: i remember a student i had and he was one of those rough and tumble students i almost said rough and tumble males but it isn't a gender thing (laughs) at all but and honestly he never finished anything it just wasn't in his dna (laughs) and i remember making tetrahedron kites
0: oh yes yeah remember those yes i did did, yeah
1: oh my gosh he came alive and and the thing that blew my whole mind on this was Here's this child that's been reluctant. Like if he had an assignment of doing a book report, never got done. And it's not that he was he had learning problems. He didn't. It's just that that mind of his wasn't on completing a piece of paper. I imagine today he doesn't fill out forms well, <laughs> you know, because it's like, why bother with that? But we made those tetrahedron kites. And here's the challenge he did. So we made the kites, we did the measurement of how far they flew, how long we could get keep them aloft, the whole math and science. He asked me if he could take home materials and make another one. And I'm like, sure. I didn't know what he was gonna do. He comes back to school and he's made four more, the same size. Uh-huh. And then he tied those together to make this giant tetrahedron kite.
0: Oh my, oh my gosh. Yeah. So
1: you ask yourself, okay, wait a minute, how important to finish that piece of paper or to have the mindset that I'm going to see what happens when I proportionally recreate this tool, will it fly <laughs> further? Will it stay up in the air longer? I mean, it was it was one of those learning opportunities for me because I was like, wow, the thinking behind that
0: is so Absolutely.
1: much yeah. different than finishing a piece of paper.
0: Oh my word, yes, yes.
1: And he's a great adult today, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, I hear you. You know, um, when I was in one of your conferences and you you spoke about the power of digital roots that really floored me because I mean, and then of <laughs> course I took it back to my kids. Could you tell our listeners that, you know, well, you know, speak to the power of digital roots and, and, and what, what are they, their uses? You know what I mean? What what can you do yeah, with a digital yeah. root? please? Thank you.
1: So this is, and, and I laugh so hard, Steve, because sometimes people think, <laughs> They'll give me credit for creating digital roots. And I go, wait, 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 wait a minute. (laughs) Digital roots are a property of a number. Mm -hmm. So if a number is even or odd, that's a property. If two is a factor of a number, that's a property. Mm -hmm. Less than, greater than, or properties. Digital roots are a property of a number. And there is a fast, lazy way to find digital roots, And the fast, lazy way is Uh to add the digits together in a number until you're down to a single digit sum. For example, the digital root of 10 is 1. I found that by adding 1 plus 0. The digital root of 23 is 5. Now, some people say, oh, that's numerology. And I'm like, no, that's not numerology, because I'm way too practical (laughs) for math and numerology. Here's the thing. Every number has a digital root. Sometimes it takes two steps to get there. For example, if you take the number 48, you add the digits together, Mm -hmm. you get 12. But that's not a digital root. A digital root is a single digit sum. So the only possible digital roots of numbers are one through nine. And when I show that at workshops, what you're recalling, and obviously I'm (laughs) so impressed that you remembered that from our sessions, is that that has a purpose in mathematics. So it sounds like a trick but there are no tricks in math. There are only patterns. So digital roots are really, so I said the fast, lazy way to do it, but here's what digital roots really are. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We work primarily in base 10. Base 10 means 10 symbols. So in base 10, the symbols are zero through nine. After nine, You start over and you recycle, reuse those symbols. I always refer to one of my favorite literature books by my friend, Stuart Murphy, Mm -hmm. and it's called Earth Day Hooray. And he does an analogy to place value with recycling because in base 10, there's only 10 symbols, zero through nine then you have to recycle and reuse those symbols here's what digital roots really are they show what remains in a number after you take away all the groups of nine from that number i'm pausing because that's a lot to process Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and when i teach it at my workshops i always say i can't teach you everything i know about digital roots in 20 minutes. I couldn't even teach you in one day, everything I know. Uh It's one of the reasons I wrote a book about digital roots. So I think that's why people give me credit. Uh But there's two reasons for children to know digital roots. One reason is you can check all computation, addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division by doing the same operation to the digital root of the add-ins or the factors. So you could check all computation. It even works on decimals. The second reason to teach digital roots is you can determine or eliminate factors in a number. For example... If you took the number, I'm just going to throw out a number here, Mm -hmm. 4,119. Okay. And you had to factor that number. And let's say, let's just say you didn't enjoy long division. (laughs) One way you can determine el- or eliminate factors is to find the digital root. So when I add the digits in 4,119, 4 plus 1 plus 1 is 6, plus 9, 15, 1 plus 5 is 6. That doesn't mean 6 is a factor. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at that number, the number's odd. Right, right. But any number that has a digital root of three, six, or nine is going to have three as a factor. I didn't even have to divide to find that out. I can find the digital root. So when I talk about a mission, let me put this, and I always say to myself in my head, so I'm going to say it out loud to you. (laughs) I always say, Here's your moment, Kim. Go big or go home. So I'm <laughs> going to go big here, Steve. I think the most important skill that guarantees a child's success in middle school is their ability to factor numbers. But it's too late there. So when we look at a pattern like the pattern of multiples of three, you can find the digital root and see that it's a constant. Every multiple of three is going to have a digital root of three, six, or nine. That then applies to any number Mm -hmm. because math is different than reading language arts. In reading language arts, we learn all the exceptions. For example, what sound does the letter T make? What sound does the H make? What sound does the E make? Hey, okay, you learn those sounds those letters make, and then you go to sound out a word like T H E. Oh, I'm sorry. Those yeah. sounds don't work.
0: No, no, they
1: or don't. Or I before E, except after C. Those are all exceptions. Math isn't like that. Once you know what's constant, and Matt, I'd love to come back, Steve, and talk about my six guiding principles for teaching math because. <laughs> That is so huge. Uh Children have to hear from a teacher. Math is different than reading language arts because once you know what's constant, it's never going to let you down. So digital roots are constant. They're used for two purposes, to check all computation Mm -hmm. and to determine or eliminate factors. And if I'm working with university math majors, and we work in different number bases, we find the digital roots of numbers in other bases, they're not gonna be the same as base 10, but they're gonna be tools for the same, checking for understanding, I mean, checking computation, and also determining and eliminating factors. So you could tell I could talk all day <laughs> about digital roots. I do want to draw your listeners um I get so many questions about digital roots that mm-hmm. I actually filmed a training that you can go to my YouTube channel which is just Creative Mathematics. Okay. And there is a free training on digital roots and I put it up there because Oftentimes, you can scratch the surface on digital roots, but I may not have time at a workshop to go to the depth I want. So I, during COVID, I had the time. I actually went ahead and filmed the uh, the training on digital roots, and it's up there. It's it's a good one to watch.
0: That's that's great. I, I'm sure they'll they'll love that. Absolutely. Now, I wanted to kind of. Uh... Uh, ask you this. What, what do you do? And I'm sure you, you've probably run into this. You had to. You have a child telling you, well, you know, math is just so hard for me to learn and I don't know if I can do this. Have you ever had uh, somebody?
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot. And In what fact, do you tell a kid like that? <laughs> so th- this will make you laugh, but it's true. Every time I sit on an airplane and I happen to be working on a math problem, the person next to me can only take it for so long. And then they'll go, (laughs) what are you doing? And then I'll explain, well, I'm a mathematician and I'm working on a math problem. And invariably I hear for the rest of the flight, I hear about all their angst growing up with math.
0: Right, right.
1: And, and here's the thing. I don't want a population of people who all go on to calculus. That, that isn't the the reason math is important. Mathematics teaches so much more than just right answers. One of the real gifts you get, it teaches you the power to persevere. It teaches you how to stick with a problem until that problem's solved. Mm -hmm. So when someone shares their anxiety, or I could name a student right now who I'm working with, who who said that very same thing that you said to me. And it just broke my heart because here's the thing. It's how it's presented that really makes a difference. It's the warmth of that teacher being playful about the content in a way that allows the child to lose themselves, lose their anxiety because gosh, I'm rolling dice, or gosh, I'm working with these pattern blocks, or something that puts them outside of their own heads. And I know the fear for many people is real about math, but it doesn't have to be. Because again, it's why I think teaching is so powerful. And I think teaching is an art form. We have to try to better our skills so that when we see that struggle from a student, that we can figure out a way around that struggle so that child can achieve. And it isn't that they'll go on and be a higher level mathematician, but that they can feel that success from that struggle. Because here's the thing, best advice I ever got when I was a parent is find the thing that's hardest for your child to do and have them do it. Because <laughs> life is tough.
0: Yeah, You yeah, have it is. to
1: learn how to overcome those difficulties. And it's not that I want a child to sit there and be battered with long division problems. That's not it. But just so you can say, this is hard for me, but I'm going to keep trying. And the teacher knows ways to try it a different way so the child perhaps could see that success.
0: Absolutely. Um, You know, Kim, let me ask you, and there's probably a lot of these, but can you you tell us what your biggest takeaway that you want teachers to know today?
1: Well, this might surprise you a little bit. (laughs) My big takeaway, and I promote this at my workshops is that teachers understand there's always more math for them to know. Okay. That that you spend your career attempting to be better because you understand the content better, that you're not like done as a learner, that you could take something that you might be unfamiliar with, like digital roots, And stand up with children and say, you know what, I'm on the same journey you are. We're gonna learn more about this because I wasn't given this gift when I went to school, but I'm gonna give you the gift. So I think, Steve, that I I can present a million different things at (laughs) workshops. Yeah. But but I want the mindset from my teachers to be. Oh, there's more to know. That's why I always end a workshop and say, how many of you have learned at least one new thing today? Because that's, that's the mission we're on as a profession. The other day, I had the biggest light bulb go on in my head about something that always was a struggle for me mathematically, and it's an algebraic concept and i went oh my gosh light bulb on i finally get this but but you know what there's nothing wrong with saying that
0: mhm that's right so always be a student of learning period yep. no matter how many years yep. whether you're in the classroom yep. 20 yep. 30 40 years or yep. more yeah yep absolutely that's, that's right that's right absolutely now kim tell me where can folks go to learn more about you you know your your website uh, yeah. uh of course amazon.com for all the all the the mini titles <laughs>
1: <that> well you... <laughs> you don't even have to go to amazon so my website uh-huh. is creativemathematics.com okay and on my website one of the things i'm proudest of about my website is that i consider it a work in progress right so we are always trying to make our website friendlier to teachers and accessible and share ideas. So I have a huge freebie section on my website. Um, I have a YouTube channel called Creative Mathematics. On my website, I describe the workshops that I do um, in my travels within the United States and outside of the United States. Um, And I I just try to make that a place where people will gravitate towards my books are on my website. Um, The games I make up, Mm -hmm. the tools like my color coded number line and my place value pockets, all those things that are my signature tools, my pattern sticks, those are all available on my website. So, you know. Somebody asked me Saturday and I thought, oh, man, this is a good question. They said, why do you write a book like your titles are so eclectic? And my answer to that is I write a book when I see holes in the commercial textbooks on Mm -hmm. a topic and I want it to be presented in a way that's motivational and hands on. So my website's a great place to start, Steve. And hopefully people will realize too, anytime you have a math question, Uh I answer every email I receive. Oh, that's fantastic there. Yeah, you can email me. And if you don't hear back from me, it probably went to spam, but my husband checks my spam for me to make <laughs> sure I don't miss anything. So, yeah, my website is just creative mathematics.com. And oh. that's a tool for you.
0: Okay, that is great. I'm sure you'll have teachers flocking there. That is fantastic. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Kim, I, I really want to thank you, uh, really. I mean, this uh, for sharing your expertise with us today.
1: Um, my pleasure oh my gosh Steve my pleasure
0: well thank you and I look forward to having you back on the show again and and I'd love for you to address six uh, guiding principles of teaching mathematics that, I would, that love would be to. that would be great well I want you to have a great day and Kim will talk
1: soon Thank you, Steve. Uh,
0: oh, You're very, very welcome. Well, we have come to the end of today's episode. I want to thank you for listening to the Teacher Rockstar podcast. I'm your host, Steve Hiles, and we hope you've got some golden nuggets regarding creating meaning and motivation in the elementary math classroom. When you get a moment, visit my blog and subscribe to my newsletter for the latest educational research, best practices, and unadvertised free bonuses. Go to blog.teacherclassroomresources.com. And don't forget to subscribe to us at the Teacher rockstar podcast and if you'd like to support us please feel free to share your podcast with others um, and post about it on social media leave a rating and review that would be greatly appreciated as always thanks again and we'll see you same time same place next week and remember my friend you got this